I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mischief Makers with me, Dave Hearn. Uh, and with me today, I have the wonderful Mr. Richard Baker. Hello, Richard. Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. I mean, I feel I feel like that's a strange thing to start a podcast with, but it's a nice thing to start a conversation with. So, so. Mm. Why, why is it a strange thing? Why well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it's not very official. I feel like it's like a, it's just sort of a casual. I don't know. It felt casual. Who knows? Bit of a bit of a kind of weird stopgap. Yeah. Just kind of like yeah. How are it's, you? Lovely it's, weather. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of it's that sort of it's conversation when there is no conversation, which doesn't 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 bode well for a for a podcast, I guess. But, yeah. No, because it is purely conversation. Yeah, um, and now that's so, a, 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 <laughs> there was none. A solid minute of that that we've done now, probably. So uh, good. I'm glad we've. Yeah, we're on about we're on about fifty seconds of uh, <laughs> of talking about talking. Good. It's a good start. Yeah, it's gone, it's gone <laughs> conceptual really early. Good. Mm. So for uh, for the listeners who uh, don't know Richard Baker, perhaps as well, uh, because you're more of a man behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, Richard is uh, one of the composers of the music for uh, Peter Pan Goes Wrong, as well as a very gifted improvising musician. Um, now, usually what happens is the, the, the kind of interview is split into sections, and I get everyone to improvise a jingle. Sure. And yeah. the first yeah. section is the getting to know you section, but Rich has very kindly. You did these in one take, right? Yeah, you've so, improvised some jingles for us. So yeah, so so I, I know that the the whole thing of this is that you don't want it to be edited. You don't want it to be, uh, yeah. You know, it's 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 a one take kind of deal, isn't it? So um, so mm. I, I figured the same thing applies to this. Uh, so you did give me fair warning, um, but um, I made a point of. If I if I recorded any of this, then I just did the bits of it in one take. If that sort of makes sense, so yeah, it's sort of a sort of a one take jingle attempt. Yeah, one take wonder. Okay, well, this is the getting to know you jingle by Richard Baker. I don't know if this is going to work. I've never attempted this before, so we're going to find out. Here we go. Getting to know you. 
Great. I like it a lot. Worked for me. I mean, it was yeah. It's 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 not uh, it's not the most intelligent thing I've ever written, but you know, it 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 says what it needed to. So, okay. Well, I have two questions for you based on that. The first mm-hmm. one is, uh, I suppose, how do how do you how do you think it went? Now you're hearing it back. Oh, the the jingle. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I think the first half was better than the second half. I think it started with a kind of a funk thing in the piano. There was like a syncopated rhythm and then it just went, it went a bit, I don't know. I think I, I got a bit lost this way. Yeah. I got a bit self-indulgent with it. I got, a bit, I got a bit, a bit sort of, um, I don't know. I thought I was, I thought I could riff. I was wrong. But That's quite a journey to go on in essentially sort of three or four seconds. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, who knows? It's uh it's it was a it's a downhill, and I think we'll as we'll discover later the other jingles are no better. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, I look forward to them. Immensely. It's only it's only downhill from there. The last one, especially, I definitely just completely screwed up the last note. But um, I was I was being true to the one take of it. So hey, oh, you're a good man. Well, well the second question I have is: um, you said it's not the most intelligent thing you've ever written. Can you can you recall the most intelligent thing you've ever written? Um, uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, now I've sort of, now I've said that I don't, I, I worry, I worry that it might be. Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm writing a thing at the moment that's, that's pretty kind of, uh, that's, I don't know about intelligent, but it's, it's definitely, I'm, I'm aiming for layers. Certainly uh, writing a musical, at the moment where it's a lot of kind of intertwining ideas and you see a lot of the same, the same stories from different perspectives. And, and it's, it's a sort of a, an attempt at, at being clever, I guess it's an attempt at, at doing something that, that is, that is intelligent, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do not know. It's, uh, that's, that's already stumped me. This again, does not bode well. <laughs> I suppose in terms of music, it's something that you, uh, if music is intelligent or, However, you were to kind of describe it, um, I guess you only ever really know in retrospect, sort of once it's finished and out there. Yeah, I guess it's like most writing, isn't it? It's like it's 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 most people analyze writing and writers and 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 what they do, and, and a lot of people who analyze it get a lot more out of it than than the writers ever do, I guess. So, yeah, I yeah, guess, I guess it's in it's in I, I it's another it, um... opinion. Uh, maybe I should ask you then what's what's the most intelligent thing I've ever written, Dave intelligent thing you've ever written probably the uh probably that jingle great let's go with that then (laughs) i think some of the most i mean it's hard because i think some of the most intelligent stuff that you've done is for me is probably some of the improv stuff um but then it's hard to like recall specifically because musically i am weak (laughs) <laughs> that's that's don't that don't put yourself down like that sir it's uh it's um I, I mean it's yeah music i guess i guess for the improv stuff it's 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 sort of it's always in context as well so it's always it always as long as you're doing something that makes sense i, I mean i guess it's the same for you guys on stage with it but i guess if you're on stage and you're able to do a, a call back to something you did half an hour before and and you know it and the audience knows it and everybody's sort of joins in the moment then I guess it's the same thing as as for me musically. If I put in a tune at the beginning of a show and then forty five minutes later it comes back because that character comes back, then I feel great about that. And there might be one audience member that sort of goes, "Oh, I see what he's done." But otherwise, it's it's it, that's sort of mostly for me, I guess. 
But yeah, like, mm. I, I mean, how does it feel for, for you guys on stage with that? Is that the sort of thing that you aim to do? Is that sort of... Yeah, I guess we never specifically aim for anything kind of being uh, intelligent, I guess. It's more... Um, I guess it's more you're kind of trying to construct the story uh, with with Mischief Movie Night specifically. It's a kind of clown show because you're you're trying to do something that you're going to fail at, which is to try and create a movie on stage. And so, mm. in in doing so, you're inevitably kind of going to have to be funny. I guess the idea is is that the story itself is good enough to be a show in and of itself, and comedy should be a side effect. And I guess musically, and in terms of the lights and stuff as well, actually, like all of that tech stuff supports that. But then the better you get at it, and I think the better musicians you have, you find that the musicians can kind of make narrative offers based on, and this is in kind of very remedial terms, but if somebody walks on stage and there's a, you know, an ominous sound given to you by a musician, you kind of go, oh, okay, great. That kind of gives me a bit of an idea of who or what my character is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's you're right. It's kind of because half the time I assume that if if you notice what the musicians doing, they're probably doing something wrong or too much. They're probably they're probably getting in the way. Um, but at the same at the same time, I think definitely with with you as well over the because I've I've known you for what seven eight years something like that. Mm. And and I, it definitely got to the point, especially when we were at the arts theater with um, movie night that that um, I got. Because um, it was me and uh, it was another musician. It was two of it, uh, Chris Ash, um, and yes, showstoppers. Yes, um, and uh, it got, it certainly got to the point um, with uh, I don't know how Chris felt, but I can't speak for him. But where it was very easy with you, especially to tell in a scene when you were about to do an exit line. That was something that I got. I I, I think immodestly I got quite good at at knowing when you were leading up to having a, like a bam and we go and there's the next scene kind of exit line and and it's and it's things like that where where i can i guess if i'm if i'm accompanying that then i i make a point of dropping if i time it right in the in the ideal world i drop out just before you say that line and and smash back in with some nice driving music after it and it's stuff like that i guess where yeah it's just trying to serve whatever story point we're at it's trying to trying to keep the narrative going Mm. and i guess that's i guess that's something for an audience that um in terms of the mechanics specifically of improv, because we talk about that quite a lot, sort of killer lines and ending scenes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the mechanics of it that an audience hopefully might not recognise and might not even think twice about. There's just a kind of satisfying feeling at the end when, you know, an actor says a big killer line, the music cuts out, cuts back in and the lights go. And then John comes up and says into the next scene. And you, it, I reckon it probably... I've always had the the kind of idea that the first you lose the audience in the first five minutes or you win them in the first five minutes. But really, you've probably got about 30 seconds. Like if you come on and do something really impressive, end that first scene really well, lights, music, you get a good bit of story, a good bit of confident improv. The audience, you can kind of feel the room breathe. Yes. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Everyone goes, oh, OK, yeah, this isn't going to be shit. It's going to be fun, yeah. And I yeah. think that's um, that's our responsibility as performers. But I think a huge part of that is the almost subliminal part of it is the music, where you nothing feels at odds, even in those first five minutes. Everything kind of feels like it's meant to be like this somehow, and that's a really satisfying feeling. Yeah, and you're and you're right. It's exactly the same, really. I I feel most similar to 
to a to a technician in those moments as well. So it's the same with the with with any sound effects there are and and, and all of the lighting cues. If it just if it just happens and it happens immediately, then it is. I mean, it's really satisfying for for us as well. I think I hope, but but yeah, it's certainly certainly from an audience. There's that relaxation. There's that sense of like, oh, okay, yes, they've got this. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so tell us actually a bit about how you um, came to work with Mischief. Uh, sure. So um, I I know a lot of the original um, Mischief uh, family. I guess um, were Lam- mm-hmm. were Lambda based. They they'd um, trained at Lambda in what 2011 2012 around that kind of time um yeah and uh, and i i uh i also trained at lambda on their md course uh on their one one year md course in 2012 to 2013 and um it's i think it so happened that you guys were still rehearsing in a room at lambda and I can't remember who it was that I first got in contact with. It might have been, I know you've had him on, on the podcast already. It might well have been Rob Faulkner. Uh, mm. Might well have been Rob. Um, that um, sort of, oh, no, no. It might have been Kieran Stallard back, back then. There's a, there's oh, a couple, yeah. of, couple of possible names of people it might have been that, that were playing for you intermittently at that time. Um, yeah. But yeah, because um, in fact, yes, it will have been Kieran because he was on the MD course before me. So he knew we knew each other, and uh, and yeah, I I just I I think I turned up at a couple of rehearsals and played along and 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 sort of did that quite informally. And then for what must have been Edinburgh twenty thirteen, I was up at the festival anyway um, with a with a couple of different um, couple of other different shows back then. And and then Rob needed cover for about a week. And um, mm. and I sort of got thrown into it in the middle of August, um, and suddenly I was doing shows. <laughs> we were at, we were at um, we were at, uh, which one? Um, uh, do I mean un- underbelly? Um, is that? Yeah, we we had C venues underbelly. Um... Yeah, so it was it was after C venue. So I think it was I think it was underbelly, and yeah, um, we were in we we're in something that basically looked like a, a kind of a an air raid bunker, um, and. There were, yeah, it was, it was, it was something like a, like a 150 seater. Um, and I remember oh, was by it the, the mid- like the white belly, really long. Yes. The really, really long, long thin with like a catwalk in the middle. Yeah. Like a, like a half cylinder with a catwalk down the middle. Yeah. 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 yeah um, that was very weird. <laughs> it was, it's, it's a strange face. Yeah. Cause um, yeah, we were in, um, we were, I can't remember who else was in that room uh, one either before or after us, there was a guy um, called John Robertson who does a show called The Dark Room, um, and he because it's a, a sort of um, like a a, f- a first person uh, gameplay, one of those old kind of like PC gamers type mm. geek fest kind of show. I mean that in a loving way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was, and he's still going. I think he's still doing shows. I see him on Twitter. But anyway, um, yeah, we were we were in this space, and uh, I was suddenly doing a week's worth of shows. Um, I did three shows, I think, with Rob um, playing with both of us, me on me on keys and him on guitar and cajon and everything else that he can play because he's ridiculous. Um, and um, and and then. And then, and then suddenly Rob was gone. Rob was at a wedding, I think, and um, mm. I, and I was I was suddenly playing with you guys for a week, having only known you for a matter of months and been at maybe four rehearsals. Um, and so, yeah, so that was that was how I sort of started with you guys, and then and then I've sort of I've sort of clung on ever since because 
because Peter Pan came not long after that, I think. So, uh, so yeah. 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 So how did you feel in those first shows then? Like once you'd, once you'd done it with Rob and then he'd, you know, he had abandoned you. You were so low. <laughs> How yes. did that feel? Inconsiderate bastard. Yes. Um, um, <laughs> um, I mean, it was. it's initially always going to be a bit, I, I don't know. There's something, there's something about improv. There's something that's part of me that every time I do it, no matter what it is, um, no matter which, which group I'm improvising with, there's a part of me that after a show always goes, well, why do I do this to myself? Um, there's a part mm. of me that goes, this is a... T- this is a terrible idea. Why am I? This is this is invoking such kind of immediate panic in me, like like and it's and it's usually so. The, the time I really noticed it was, um, and you've done this as well. You've done the um, the improvathon, right? You've done the the, the yeah, I've the done a couple hour. of hours. Yeah, you've done you've done a couple of hours. I've I've stupidly I've done I say stupidly I've done all fifty um, one year. I did I did the whole fifty. Um, wow. Yeah. So, no, my, um, just for our my listeners hand. who don't know much about it. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, let, can, yeah. Just let them know what the what the improvathon is. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's it's essentially it's a it's a fifty hour marathon of improvisation. It's it's um, in Canada they call it the Sopathon because it's it's long form improv. There's a storyline all the way through. You've got characters coming in and coming out, but otherwise it starts on a Friday at sort of well traditionally it started on Friday at seven pm and finished on Sunday at nine pm. And it's sort of in two hour episodes, but you get a break for. Uh, for five minutes every couple of hours in order to just you know recover for a moment um and and there are there are always some audience that stick it out for the whole thing and then a lot of audience that come in and just watch an episode or two episodes um but yeah it's it's sort of a mixture between uh, improvisation and an endurance test um Mm. and it's i know it's organized um by amongst other people um adam megiddo who has also um directed Peter Pan and uh, and various other things with mischief as well. Um, I, I'm missing out lots of stuff. That's what I know he's done because that's what I've worked worked on him with. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's it's that, and it's 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 a, a full weekend of sort of watching a, a, about twenty to thirty people go s- either slowly insane or start to hallucinate a bit, and either way, just lose some inhibitions and sort of just do whatever improv they feel that they can do in the moment and it's and it's it's really exciting to watch and it's but it's also kind of a bit terrifying to do and the reason i bring it up so when you so, sorry, sorry, you, sorry, you, sorry just sorry. to interrupt but you were going to do so you did the full what, the 50 hours yeah full 50 yeah so you, you didn't sleep for 50 hours well probably more because presumably you were awake before it started yeah i worked it out it was like 62 hours by the end because you've got to be awake a bit in the day both ends um Wow. Yeah, it's 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 they they have a thing on that they call the gates of hell, which is um, mm-hmm. on the second overnight, essentially, where you start to no, no matter how good you are at staying awake, um, you start to to get not not I mean, unhinged is a is a strong word, but um, it it just gets a bit like <laughs> a bit. But is it a good word? Um I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it probably is. It's probably the best way to describe it. Um, you, you just go a bit, not quite, every, everything's a bit, everything, either everything's hilarious or everything's deadly serious and people get very emotional and very, it's, it's a lot happens at sort of 3am when you've been awake for, for two days straight. It's, it gets, mm. it gets a bit much. And, and I certainly, I certainly, um, I remember there was, there was, I, I, 
it would be unfair to say I didn't fall asleep because I did at one point, but it was in the in the middle of a, an episode. Um, I was I was playing for some scene that was set in a, a hot tub. They were constructing something on stage. It took a very long time to do, and I was playing a lot of um, I was playing a lot of like um, I've got a piano here, so I can do an impression of it. Um, I okay. was playing I was playing like like kind of just relaxed jazz kind of feel behind stuff. Uh, I have no idea whether the microphone heard that. But um oh, yeah, no, was, yeah, we got it. We got it. Okay, cool. Uh yeah, I was playing this kind of relaxed jazz and and then I sort of I drifted off or at least or at least I drifted slightly out of being in the room enough that it felt like I was <laughs> falling asleep. And and when I woke up, I was I was sort of in the second verse of a song I was accompanying and and I and I and I I really remember waking up really suddenly and then going Oh crap! What have I played up until now? And and sort of having to guess what it was that I'd, I would have done up to that <laughs> point in a song that I was asleep for. It was it. It gets really surreal. It gets really odd. Guess um, what your subconscious might have played? Yeah, yeah. Second, second guess my own my own chords. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so it's it's it's. I don't know why we got onto that, but it's but that's a thing. But no, doing. I think doing uh, doing fifty hours is because I think I did eight hours, um, mm. or maybe six, and that that was that was enough for me. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but it's um, it's it becomes a bit of a bit of a, a free for all. Um, but I think I, I reckon if you were to do well, not you, but if one was to do the full fifty hours, I, I imagine there's a kind of a, a real sense of an accomplishment. But you must have seen some some pretty weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's there was. It's definitely a feeling of I. I was. I was. I was pretty much in tears by the end of the last episode, just from a feeling of pure. I made it. It's that. It's. I. It's probably. I don't. I've. I've never run a marathon because I. I'm. I'm not at all a fit person. But um. Mm-hmm. I. But but I. I can't. I can imagine that at the end of doing an achievement like that, there's that kind of both a sense of relief and release, and also a sense of achievement. And it's and it and it. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a it's a strange thing to decide to put 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 your own body through, if nothing else. It's mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you feel about the uh, the people who are not performing but but watch the entire thing for, for fifty hours? That is that is I that mean, quite strange? I mean, it is and it isn't. The first the first I remember, I I, I saw it before I played in it. I I saw it when it was at somewhere like um, Hoxton Hall several years ago. Um, and mm. I remember, I remember going along at five PM and going, "I'm going to watch an episode of this and see what it's like," because I was just getting into the kind of a couple of improv circles at that point. Um, and and I went along and I watched an episode and and then another and then another. And I stayed there until eleven PM or something. Until essentially, if I if I knew I would do another episode, then I would I would miss the tube or whatever. But um, I, I it's certainly addictive. It's certainly the sort of thing where you want to know. If you start caring about characters, then you know that they're going to be there for the next day. So it's 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 I it's the sort of thing that I can imagine coming back to again and again. It's 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 slightly addictive. It's slightly mm. yeah yeah easy easy to get sort of hung up on in a way. Yeah, I mean, I understand why the why why it's also called a sopathon. It's the sort of thing where where I can imagine if 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 you've been watching. I don't know, sort of, yeah, EastEnders, Coronation Street, one of those sort of things for years, then then you start to really care about the characters in it. You start to get invested in it. And, and yeah, I can imagine mm. imagine that, yeah. 
So what do you feel that you've kind of uh, taken from stuff like the Improvathon and improvising for those kind of 50 hours, working with Mischief and other sort of like improv groups? Do you, do you feel, I suppose there's two separate questions that, isn't it? What do you feel that you've learned from working uh, with Mischief and, and in shows? And what do you feel that you learned from improvising for 50 hours? Sure. Well, um, I think with Mischief, again, I think I think... It's kind of what you said about the, the everything serving the story. And I feel like when I'm playing for you guys, I need the actual physical playing is the thing I need to be thinking about the least. And really it's just a case of it's really taught me to 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 oh it's taught me story structure, it's taught me um about sort of a lot of a lot of the the mechanical bits and the techniques behind creating a an interesting and compelling narrative but then also it's it's really taught me to to watch it and follow it and to and to just um and and to really yeah get on board with something so that I get invested in it and then I I create music in the moment that really that I care about and hopefully that adds to the experience for everyone so yeah so so from doing from doing yeah years of improv with you guys it's it's you you learn things about about individual actors you learn things about how they do certain things but then also you just learn things about how how compelling a story can be about how how mm. how to do that and i guess that's where cuz obviously with um with uh, john and hen and henry with them writing the bulk of um, the the mischief material i i guess i guess with them as well they 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 must have i've never i've never spoken to them about this but i guess they must have taken some of their improv experience and put that to good use as well i don't know have you chatted to them about that is that the sort of thing that they they've said or yeah i think i i find um in, yeah in general like it's particularly with comedy uh and even in stuff that i write as well like i've written um a couple of things I'm writing a tv show and, and writing a, a a play at the moment and i got mm. i've got a bit stuck on the second act and i just mm. kind of was having a look at it today and um the thing I kind of kept coming back to was you sort of ask yourself a lot, like, what is this about? What is this about? Which in a weird way is probably not a helpful question for improv. If you're halfway through a show going, what is this about? Yeah. Um, and structuring a story in, in improv often, the, the the aim is to kind of try and do it with some kind of nuance, uh, which you can do in a scripted piece, obviously. But mm. improv often, particularly at the start of the story, doesn't really afford... There's not much room for nuance. It's often no, just no. you've got to get out the stories that everyone's kind of as close to the same page as possible, and then we mm-hmm. can start having fun. Uh, it's what Shields calls doing the admin. Um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of getting in there, doing the admin, setting up your your structure and your foundations, and then you can kind of play. But yeah, I think definitely I, I approached it. We often try and fall in love in improv, create a love story, create a, a human element, something that people care about. And that's, yeah. that works with um, with all kinds of comedies. I think even with something like The Play That Goes Wrong, which I would say um, lacks the sort of narrative heart of something like Pan, but actually uh, at its heart is, is this human story of these people really trying to perform a play. So it's always linked to something very, very human, something that you can relate to. And I think yeah. when I was looking at this second act of this thing that I'm stuck on, the words I ended up writing, I just scribbled everything I thought down onto a piece of paper. I ended up writing things like uh, love in giant word letters, like where's the love story? Who's in love with who? Is yeah, this yeah. Uh, is this compassion? Is it about companionship? Um, 
is there a, a betrayal? And I just sort of, there's a couple of cliches and big themes, but actually from out of it came nuance, came fun ideas, came conflict. And it's it's all just linked to these kind of human ideas, which sounds quite kind of grand and over the top. But when you're trying to create a story, it's so much easier to kind of patchwork them together with these big human emotions, these big human um, ideals and concepts, things like, yeah, love and betrayal and deception and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so yeah. I think uh, when you're putting together a, a narrative, whether you're improvising it or scripting it or whether you're just doing a, you know, balls to the wall, funny comedy, if you mm. can kind of keep that beating heart, no matter how faint it is in the middle, that there's something human happening. I think it will always, that, that will always work. I feel like that's what I've sort of taken from, from improv mainly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I feel, I feel like, um, I feel like again, to, to, to mention Mr. Megiddo again, that's a, a, cause he, I think he probably taught at some point, most of everyone before, before, before working with them as well. And I feel mm. like, I feel like um, there's a few sort of, a uh, few uh, things that I've definitely heard him echo again and again, and 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 yeah, things like fall in love, get to the island, things like things that drive the story on that that uh, can be really helpful in yeah, in more than in more than just improv, certainly yeah. Yeah, I think it's really useful, um, and it's it's one of those things that you you learn in it what feels I guess like such a basic way. And then you just sort of drive it out when you're in front of 200 people or sometimes, you know, six people. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you haven't sold uh, that well, uh, Edinburgh uh, which has happened. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. um, keeping with improv, but just uh, another question. I remember you and uh, Chris playing for Mischief Movie Night at the Arts Theatre. You guys are in a really weird position. Does, does yeah. the actual physical position of where you are on or off stage help with improvising? Well, so yeah, I mean, most of the um, either the uh, kind of either the smaller gigs or when we because we had a series of monthly um, we had a monthly kind of residency at the Duchess before we did the arts as well, didn't we? Um, and mm. and and through all of that, and basically through the what was probably five four or five years of mostly me playing with Rob, um, I felt I felt like ninety nine percent of the shows we were sat side by side. Um there would be there would be um it would sort of depend on the show, depending on who was playing keys for it, we'd we sort of just amuse ourselves by switching and switching it up. Um but um either way one of us would be sat on the keys uh, and one of us would be sat next to with whatever other instruments they play. So with me, it's bits of guitar and mostly wind instruments, clarinet sax and stuff like that. And with Rob, it's it's mostly stringy things. So like um, yeah, banjo and mandolin and guitar and all of that kind of stuff. But either way, we'd be sat side by side. We'd be sat in a way that we could. Um, and it was usually we found it was whoever was playing the, the keys part, whoever was playing the keyboard, that was the one kind of in control of it. And it would be the other person looking over at their hands. So it would kind of be like to follow what key you were in or to follow timing or that sort of thing. It was usually following, following the hands of the, of the, of the pianist. Um, so, so it became really odd. Yeah, you're right. When in the arts, we were up at the, um, at the upper level, right in the corner, essentially, right? Like sort of near the proscenium arch. I don't, I can't remember whether there is one in the arts, but, but yeah, we were, we were up by those sort of base speakers. We were, in, like sat on speakers in the corners and um and it meant that we were 30 feet apart as well because i was looking at him right across the other side of the theater 
Um, it meant yeah. it meant it meant that half like some of the time it meant it felt amazing when we timed something together still because we were doing it by intuition rather than by knowing. But then um, also there were a fair few times when one of us made a choice and the other one had to go, oh, right, okay, we're doing that and sort of pick it up a, a split second later because they've, uh, yeah. It's it, it, it's it certainly, it was a different experience. It became, it became I, I got I, I got quite used to, to, I think we both got quite used to to knowing what the other one might do and knowing what we might like, like I'm going to keep my hands off the keys for this one because I think you're going to do something, that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, we got really good at guessing which, like this is, this is pointless musical nerdery as well. We got really good at guessing the key signature that the other one might do as well. Like nobody what cares. What is it? What's the key signature? So, like, if something is in in the key of D or whatever, then it will be then it will be, then it will be in this in that specific key and or or um, I, I there was no real rhyme or reason to it. Like historically, there's reasons for things to be in certain keys. Historically, if something was in uh, I can't remember this. I'm trying to vaguely remember back to music education. But historically, if something was in like D or G, then it's probably a king appearing. Historically, if it was in F or B flat, then it might be a countryside thing. But we didn't really think about that. We just sort of just got quite good at guessing. And that's that's sure, okay. a really pointless, uh, no, pointless I like it. Music, musical say, game um, for us. Could you, give it, could you just improvise? It's like a, a king's entrance in D. In, um, so yeah, in, in, in D, I guess it'd be it'd be like a fanfare thing. So it'd be like a um, it'd be like a um, something like that. Yeah, would be would be like a king kingly kind of entrance. Whereas whereas yeah, putting something in in supposedly if you if you if you if you're going to do then something like I said like a what's the word there is a word for it uh, like a pastoral theme like a countryside theme then supposedly mm. supposedly something like f major is better for that um there's the, there's a really traditional there's that tune that is in f i hope yeah that's, that's got to be out of copyright that's fine for a podcast right um but either way yeah, no, yeah. Fine. but either, <laughs> sure fine um but either way yeah um like so a, so a countryside theme might be might be an f and it might sound a bit more yeah a bit a bit more like that i don't know but either way yeah there's there's some i suppose yeah so you, you're sort of saying that you didn't apply that uh strict logic with the other person you were playing with but it was sort of an implied understanding almost yeah we we just kind of i i guess partially because there's only so many keys in the world there's only you know there's only 12 notes in a scale or whatever, um, then um, I say, or well, whatever, I really should know the answer to how many notes there are. There's 12. Um, <laughs> um, then, then yeah, there's, there's, then it just gets to the point with, with a person where you get really used to how they might do something, how they might think. Like if you guys get called a, um, a, a thriller, but it's set in Iceland and it's, and it's, um, and it's, and it's called usually something like ice this or whatever. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> that, that seemed to be like the fallback position for the movie night stuff. It was if there if there yeah, wasn't a better title, it would be it would be a word connected with it, followed by this or that. So yeah, mm. um, but yeah, it was. Um, it, it usually got to the to point where those where where we sort of look at each other and go, okay, and then one of us would take the lead, and the other one would go, yeah, I thought you'd be in B flat, or oh yeah, I thought you'd do this, and it, and yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's was there ever a scenario in which you both came in at the same time in completely different keys oh all the all the time god yeah it was it was 
there was it was constantly like probably at least once or twice every show there would be a moment that we would both try and do and and some of the most awful choices have definitely i mean i'm i'm i've i've there's many many more shows where i guess you guys have probably come off stage and i've heard somebody apologize to somebody else like i've heard somebody go yeah. i'm so i don't know why i chose to do that i don't know why i i jumped in there and it and it happened oh, all the time with us as well yeah yeah i i have a real memory of there was there was one show um and um it was i can't remember can't remember when it was in the run but i remember there was a song in it that henry lewis led that was that was the lyrics were something like put it in your orifice whichever one you choose put it in your orifice it's the perfect cure for the blues and i have a really distinct memory of that um for two reasons one because first thing henry did when he came off stage was apologize to everyone and say look i'm so sorry i don't know which part of my brain produced that um, mm. And also, I, I remember that because that was also the show where a lot of my students uh, came to came to watch. I had about like fifteen or twenty students sure. from from, from <laughs> that I teach come in, and uh, and that's the only thing they sang at me for the next six months. So, well, it's, that sounds like a sort of Friday Saturday night show. You know, the the audience are are up for that. In context, it probably yeah. worked. Oh, I'm I'm sure it it at least it at least was good for the audience. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so you had some students, you teach at Erdang, is that right? Um, well, so no, um, I've recently been doing some um, stuff at Erdang. Those students were, um, unhelpfully, those students were, were younger than Erdang students. They were um, they were uh, out of a group called Sharp Academy, uh, that, um, that's like okay. a performing arts academy that, um, that at the time only had students that were aged... Um, up to 18. So, um, yeah, that was definitely a load of, like... Um, under 18s in there then then singing at that that at me but um <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i've taught there for, for a while i do um so yeah when i'm when i'm not composing i'm mostly uh, or improvising then i'm i'm essentially either a, either a, an md for other shows or uh or uh teacher as well uh, music te- uh singing teacher vocal teacher that kind of stuff oh so things like technique and how to use your voice properly yeah, te- uh, technique, rep classes, uh, like helping um, actors pl- prep for auditions, all that kind of stuff. It's it's all, it's sort of. I think I think with musicians as much as with actors. I know that um, I don't I don't know how much of this you've you've experienced, but you you find you have to be many things to many different people. You've got to you've got to be able mm. to be able to to produce whatever it is that people need, rather than necessarily focusing on just being one thing. Just being, I mean, you've, obviously you're 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 an actor. I presume I don't know if you think of yourself as an actor first and foremost. I don't know, but um, but if you're if you're also doing, yeah, more and more writing and everything else that that people might require. Do you? I mean, what else? What else is in your? What other strings are in your bow? Strings to my bow, Richard. Well, you've <laughs> got loudness, uh, speed, <laughs> um, quickness. <laughs> And swiftness. Now you might think they're the same thing, but they're they're they're, they're subtly different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, did I, I said loudness? I yeah, you said, loud. you, but there's no no harm in saying it again. Mm, yeah, double loud. Um, yeah, I think the strings to my bow are um, really uh, commitment. What you get from me is commitment and attack. Often, yeah, um, yeah. I, I've, I'm sort of unofficially in mischief known as the the one who kind of ends up uh, I'll, I'll i'll do all the jokes that i think that we all think won't work but we have to try them <laughs> sure. um, yeah front footed yeah 
Yeah, yeah, I'm on the front foot. Now, yeah. um, I'm going to slightly redirect us to uh, some questions from the web, mm-hmm. which means it's time. Let me just get this up for another jingle. Oh. I like that one a lot. I mean, yeah, it's again, it's the I think the problem with it is the ending again. It was it has a build, it goes somewhere, and then it's sort of a bit anticlimactic again. I think I think that's gonna be the pattern. I think I think I know, I think I think you've got it. I think I think that's what you want because you don't want it to be like questions from the web and then it just to be like we're done now because we are about to go into questions from the web. And so you right. kinda want it to lead in. Yeah, I yes, yes. And yet we stalled it with this, so go. Okay, here we go. So um, the first question is from uh, uh, a lady called Amy Beer. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if she drinks beer. or like, Who knows? You know, Strong name. Strong name. It's a good name, Amy Beer. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, what is your guilty pleasure song? Oh, um, I, don't, I don't know. Because I... Uh... I guess with guilty pleasures, you've got to be guilty about them, and mm. I, 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 I'm quite willing to kind of listen to, to most. I actually, the best answer for this is the first, first, uh, some of the first music I bought, like the first album I bought, which is most people to most people would be would be a guilty pleasure. Uh, so it was Steps, Steptacular, first album I ever bought. Let's go with that. Steps. Steptacular. Yeah. I suppose is it yeah it doesn't have to necessarily be something you feel guilty about but something that you probably should feel guilty about. Yeah maybe maybe it's that maybe it's maybe it's I should like societally have shame and in in which case with no offense intended to the to the to the members of steps I guess I guess mm. it's probably that. So there we go. And um Steptacular is that the title of it? It, yes, it, it is the title. Yeah, I think it was ninety nine or two thousand somewhere around there. Yeah, are we talking? Is is tragedy on that? Is that the kind of era um, we're talking? Yeah, I I um I think it's the right kind of era. I don't think tragedy was on that one. I think I think there was. Uh, <laughs> um, I you're you're dodging that. the question. I think you know more about steps than you're letting on. No, I can name you step songs. I just don't know what was on that album. I think like. <laughs> <laughs> Better Best Forgotten maybe was on that album or A Deeper Shade oh, of Blue. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, These are all uh, great. A Deeper Shade of Blue. Yeah, great song. And they're all wearing blue in the video, I think, because, you know, words. So, yeah, I, th- I think there were, there were hits like that. Let's go with that. Um, well, I'll tell you what, could you, I don't know if you're up for this, but could you try and improvise us um, like a chorus of like using the using the phrase guilty pleasure song? Using the phrase "guilty pleasure song," um, yeah, or about a guilty pleasure song. Yeah, before I did, I'm, 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 I'll willingly do this, but um, more often than not, it was other people singing and me just playing the piano. So this might go really badly. Uh, but, I look forward yeah. to this immensely. <laughs> um, um, oh, that's such a horribly improv chorus. But here we go. <laughs> I don't know what you see that's so wrong It's just my guilty pleasure song 
I don't know. It'll go somewhere from there. Let's. That's that was great. It's that's such a like that is that is essentially the way I if I can't think of anything else that I start every improv show. If there's like a everyone meets in a market square, then it's it's probably Some something sort like of staccato. that. Staccato. Yeah, probably something you just what, like. Uh, what key was that in? That was in D. That was I'm I'm obsessed the with king, D major. The king's today. key. One of the certainly one of the king's keys. Yeah. So it was a very uh, okay. it was it was a king's guilty pleasure song. He was discussing his uh, <laughs> discussing his his love of steps to his subjects. I guess his courtly yeah. pleasures. Um, <laughs> the next question we have is um, from Catriona, who's a big fan of ours. Um, have you oh, met yes. Catriona Hello. before? Yes, 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 yes. Um, she came to um, she came to a, a couple of other shows that I did elsewhere as well. She's uh, yeah, big. Oh, fan very anyway. good, very loyal. Um, Hello, Catriona. Um, she says, when uh, you're providing music for improv shows, can you remember afterwards the melodies you made up and can you play them again or are they just in the moment and then lost? Oh, uh, that, that's that's a really good question. Um, I think most of them kind of get lost at least by the time I finished that show. I think uh, like with a lot of them, this is kind of, I mean, so, I mean, unless it's a song like Put It In Your Orifice, which is going to stick with me for life, um, <laughs> then then I think most of them, most of them I at least remember for the hour or however long the show is, just in case they come back or just in case, in the, in the case of Movie Night, in case John goes, let's have a reprise of that song. Then if I can't mm. remember how to play that song, then then I'm screwed. So, so I at least remember it for that long. Um, but yeah, most of them, most of them are probably gone forever. Most of them, most of them live in the moment and then, and then are no more. And uh, yeah, there, there's something some quite that... cool about that, isn't there? That makes them uh, weirdly precious and disposable at the same time. Yeah, that's beautifully put. Um, yeah, no, there's something. There, yeah, it's something. It's something lovely about it. The you you had to be in the room. You had to you had to be there to 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 experience it or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we find that um, if you watch recordings of improv no matter how good or bad the show was it always seems bad and i think even if we had like a kind of professional recording of you know one of our best shows at the arts or on tour Mm -hmm. i feel like even if you 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 could watch that as an audience even if you love mischief even if you're like a crazy super fan and you think we're we're the best people ever i think you would even watch one of those shows and be like oh this isn't as good but then you could probably watch a less good show in the room and think it was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, and there's and there's something about improv as well that that if 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 as an audience member it's not the sort of thing that you can that you do, then it feels even more magical. It feels like they're literally doing a magic trick in front of you. It feels like how are these people coming up with this based on something I just said? And yeah, I I I think I agree. Yeah, it's it's difficult to it's difficult to try and. I mean, I guess is this why? Because I know, I know that um, I know that in, there hasn't been a lot of improv on TV as well. For example, apart from mm-hmm. historically stuff like Whose Line and, and and those kind of like quick comedy shows, but it's mm. but I guess I guess it's a lot more a lot more tricky to 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 put sort of story based improv on TV because because for that reason, for if you're not in the room, then then it's not as not as exciting to watch. I don't know. It's difficult. Yeah, I think we've looked into it in the past. I think in mm. order to do a kind of long form show, you would probably need to reduce it to about 30 minutes. Right. Um, and I think as well, 
another thing you would either have to have it genuinely be actually live going out live um, yeah and you could do a thing where you use social media and you have people tweet in suggestions or something um yeah. and so that people at home could feel like they're sort of making a difference to the narrative i think mm. the the intrigue uh, of of it and the joy of improv for the people watching is that even if you haven't contributed an idea directly, but we as a collective, we as an audience, we as a, as viewers have helped create something that is for us and only for us. So I yes, think if yeah. you, if you put it out to, you know, however many thousands or millions or whatever of people, maybe that kind of sense of, of, uh, of unity, um, is is lost somehow because you're physically disconnected from everyone. Yeah, and and I guess it makes it sort of even if even if you explicitly say at the beginning this is either yeah going out live or this was done in one or this was whatever it was then it may, it still makes it sort of that you assume that it's a that it's not you sort of assume that it's a that it's because it's TV and most of TV is either um if it's not like live news or whatever, then you mostly assume that everything else is pre-recorded. You mostly assume you'll sit there and go, okay, so this is a comedy thing that was planned. And yeah, I guess it, I guess it makes it less believable. I don't know. Is that the right word? But Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I think there's a, a certain amount of sort of healthy cynicism, particularly <laughs> yes. in the UK. Oh yeah. Particularly when it comes to improv and comedy as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the amount of, the amount of, the amount of, because I mean that sort of comes with the suggestions you get as well that's the problem with doing social media stuff I guess is you'll get a lot of people just shouting swear words at you over Twitter you'll just get a lot of people or like them because I I think I think would you say maybe every like second or third show at least because we always ask for a ask for like a movie genre and like at least at least once every couple of days we'd get Bollywood or porn we'd get something that was just like either impossible to do um, or, or difficult to do, or would look like a strange stereotype, or is just plain inappropriate and then like nudity. And and I feel like, yeah, an English audience, especially if you just got, especially after a drink or two, you've got someone in the audience going, yeah, do porn, do that. Then, yeah, I think it's this desire to um, to kind of challenge, um, but also there's that kind of thing that people quite like to break stuff. And I yes. think ultimately, yeah. like I, I kind of get that. Because if you're if you're improvising and you're coming out and going, it's quite arrogant, isn't it? You're going right. We've got this bunch of people who have who, you know we've worked very hard and we we rehearse, but it's less rehearsal and more practice because we don't actually mm. know what we're going to do. You've got this know. bunch of people that are, are kind of coming out going, look, we've practiced, but we've got no idea what's going to happen. So why don't you tell us what you want to see? Oh, and by the way, we're going to charge you for it. Yeah, and yeah. Like, that you you might just be like, all right, we'll do this then, do this really hard thing then, but it's it's trying to break that programming. I think with audiences that we sort of try and do at the top of the show, where you kind of go, oh no, you you do have an opportunity to have a really genuinely good time, um, yeah, and, and yeah, see yeah. something really impressive and really fun. Yeah, uh, it's like so you you can do you can re- you can request an hour of German expressionist cinema, but but you won't enjoy it. Um, mm. Like, like, al- allow it. We'll we'll put in flavors of the ridiculous things you request, but also this will be a. We're allowing this to be a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we're unfortunately slowly running oh, out of. Well, no, quickly running out of time. Hello. Slowly wouldn't be a problem. Well, the time is moving at the same pace. Oh, but um, sorry. Did uh, I? Hello. Did I? You did you? Yeah, lose I, me then? 
I lost you entirely there, yeah. Oh, that was weird. Well, I was just I was explaining that we're running out of time. Oh, ironically. well, maybe that was... Um, so we're going to move the, on. Something I said. <laughs> we're going to move on to the, uh, the quickfire round. I keep okay. going around section. Um, but here is your quickfire jingle. Nice. I mean that 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 was definitely in one take, and I I apologise to anyone listening to this for the jingles. Um, yeah, that was not my best work. I think if anybody's listening to this for the jingles, <laughs> they've come to the wrong place. <laughs> they, you should you should look elsewhere for your jingles. Yeah, yeah. But this, well, to be fair, is probably the best they've been. I, I'm 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 flattered. I mean, it's probably the most detailed they've been. Maybe not the best, but mm. hey. Well, Chris Lee's one were were varied. Um, so <laughs> <Sure>. uh, <laughs> for this for this final section, I am going to uh, ask you some questions and just answer them as fast as you can. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, no, but go for it. Okay. What is your favourite colour? Purple. If you're an animal, what would you be? A uh, bear. Nice. Uh, if you could describe yourself as, as a dessert, what dessert would you be? Um, eaten mess, I guess. Nice. Is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? It's a it's a cake. It's obviously a cake. It's not. It's it's it, it's soft and goes hard when it. Yeah, it's it's cake. It's cake. <laughs> if you were to be one of the uh, fifty-two cards, which one would you be? Oh, um, probably I don't know, like the like a somewhere in the middle, like a seven of hearts. Yeah, seven of hearts. Mm-hmm. Nice, modest. Um, <laughs> left or right? Right. Right or wrong? Uh, right. What is your favorite film? Um. Uh. <laughs> uh the, the the first one I thought of when you said that was um, Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind. So let's go with that. Excellent. Seen that so and what times, is your so. uh, favourite piece of classical music? Oh, um, uh, it's not really classical. It's jazz, but it's um, probably Rhapsody in Blue, Gershwin. Um, it's it's yeah, that. It's not really classical. That's that's not really the right answer. That's a cheat. That's no, a that's lie. Good. That's a good no, favourite piece of music. That's that. That's what we'll go with. Um, yeah. And finally, do you have any uh, sort of top TV recommendations or anything that you think people should watch, read, or listen to? Um, well, um, at the moment, I've, I'm I'm rewatching, not rewatching, but finally getting around to watching the the US Office, the Office, the the, the US version. It's very good, isn't it? It's it's very good. Yeah, I'm, I I sort of assumed I I had I had cynicism because obviously the UK Office was was you know comedy when i was growing up and, and so you get used to that and you just think well it's going to be rubbish in the u.s version it's just because mm. you assume you assume the u.s or the or the non-original versions of things aren't going to be as good but it, it's a different show and it's good it's just good i was exactly the same yeah. yeah 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 but i really like it um well rich thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us uh i actually don't usually do this but could you give us uh, a closing jingle um a, a, yes sure uh, 
I haven't planned any words. Um, oh, okay. Well, no, I'll tell you what. You, you keep playing that, and I'm going to read like the closing bit. And then the, the final sentence is going to be, thanks for listening, and keep making mischief. And then you can end it. I'll try, I'll try and do it like a killer line. Yeah, I'll try and, I'll try and play the end of okay, it. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Dave Hearn, talking to the wonderful Mr. Richard I've Baker. I've been Richard Baker. You've been Richard Baker. Please do <laughs> yeah. keep an eye on uh, out for our next episode. Uh, you can follow all the latest news in the mischief world uh, by following our Twitter at Mischief Comedy. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, and keep making mischief. Nice. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.